Hello, and welcome to All Charged Up, the podcast that brings state, county, and local municipality resources together with industry experts as we discuss a variety of topics such as EV infrastructure, renewables, and the electrical contracting industry in DuPage. I'm your host, Karen Charvat, and in today's episode, our inaugural episode, Yahoo! We will be talking about transportation electrification with Tim Milburn of Greenways to Go. Tim has over 30 years of technical and commercial experience in energy and environmentally related fields. He has been active as a business leader, practicing engineer in projects related to waste to energy, biofuels, materials recovery and recycling, municipal and industrial byproduct management. We might have to talk about that, Tim. That sounds interesting. (laughs) Alternative fuels for transportation, like electric and uh, natural gas vehicles, renewable energy, and energy efficiency, including programs here in the U.S., Asia, Europe, and North and South America. So I guess what I'm trying to say is Tim is our guy. Tim, really, you just know your stuff. Tim also owns an energy consulting and technology solutions company called Greenways to Go, which focuses on green solutions in power and transportation. Again, exactly what we are here to discuss today. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, let's start by you telling us a little bit more about Greenways to Go. Okay, well, thank you, first of all, for uh, letting me have this opportunity to help get the message out on transportation electrification. I really appreciate it. Of course. So, as you mentioned, I was involved in working for industry for large companies uh, for 30 years. Uh, I started out working for a company called Combustion Engineering, and we basically burned anything that burned. <laughs> and um, so, in 2011, I decided I wanted to kind of move from my call the dark side to the green side. At the same time, try my hand at entrepreneurship. So, together with my partner Paul Jensen, we formed a company called Greenway Energy, which kind of focused on what you just described mm-hmm. uh, to help uh, integrate clean energy practices and technologies in the private and public sectors, and to help them make informed decisions. Um, and then uh, in 2013, we created Greenways to Go. As part of Greenway Energy, which is a focus is on clean transportation. So uh, we have then subsequently kind of migrated into electrification from alternatives like natural gas because that's kind of the way the market has gone. And we now focus on the vehicles themselves, the EVs, and the supporting infrastructure including um, supply of equipment and turnkey installation solutions. Plus, we provide a range of technical and business consulting services. Well, and that is exactly why you are here sitting with me today, because like I said, you are our guy. And I know that you are um, just an amazing expert on all things EV uh, related, which is what we're getting started with here today. Um, so thank you so much, Tim. And we're going to have your information uh, listed here in um, the description of this episode. So just don't hes- hesitate to reach out to Tim if you need him. I also want to um, give a big shout out to the multimedia services team here at College of DuPage, located in lovely Glen Ellen, Illinois. We are just um, being treated here like 
royalty in this studio, and we're just so super excited to get started today. So we really appreciate you guys helping us out today. Okay, everybody, um, I'm going to go ahead and get the stage set a bit here, and we're going to get into all this, Tim. And again, thank you so much, because there is just a ton of information floating around uh, about EVs, EV infrastructure, and really one of the overall purposes of this podcast is to educate. So over these um, next few episodes, we want to, um, number one, educate our county residents um, with the basics of EV ownership. Also very important, we want to educate our county's business owners, building owners, developers, property managers, and we want to help them prepare their assets and properties to accommodate EV adoption uh, throughout the region. And then um, we also want to serve as an educational resource for our 30-plus municipalities here in DuPage, you know, because... (laughs) Well, you're living it, Tim. So as this EV adoption rate continues to grow, you know, um, village, city, town infrastructure, it really, really needs to be in alignment with business and resident needs. But um, I'm getting ahead of myself one thing at a time. So, Tim, let's just go ahead and dive in and and get started unpacking all of this. And I'm going to go really with a a very broad question here at first, um, and it's one that I hear most often, and that is, can our infrastructure support electric vehicles? And, and seriously, that is what main, one main question everyone has, which then leads to the second question I get all the time is, um, how much will EV infrastructure cost? And, well, and then I also hear, who's responsible? What are the issues and challenges with grim, grid limitations and so on? So because there's so much, let's just unpack one thing at a time. And uh, Tim, can our current infrastructure support EVs? The answer is kind of multifaceted. So when we talk about infrastructure, uh, I kind of split it into the infrastructure in a given building. It could be a home or a business or a multifamily residence or or a town hall. Um, You know, does that facility have the capacity to charge vehicles? And then as you add up, you know, facilities in an area, does the grid have the ability to support support the expansion of all this power demand. Exactly. So when we look at a given facility today, it's typically a non-issue. Typically, you can add EV charging uh, in in most residents um, and in many other types of buildings. When you're talking about uh, one or two or three or four EV charging stations, there's typically spare capacity in the buildings. If not, it's typically a uh, straightforward thing to upgrade the service. So you call ComEd and they will uh, work with you to define the new loads compared to what the uh, building already has and come up with a probably a larger panel. You have to run more power into the building and then you can add the EV charging circuits and such. That's fairly straightforward. That's the common practice. Uh, imagine that you want to add an air conditioner to your home. You might have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge comes when we talk about, you know, Illinois has a goal to reach a million EVs by 2030. Uh, we're going to need to do something with the utility grid. So uh, I always liken it to, you know, 120 years ago, we didn't have a grid. We <laughs> basically, there were no power plants, no transmission lines. And over time, there's been a series of expansions in the power generation and also a transmission. And as we've gone on, we now basically have power everywhere. Um, and this has basically been based on demand. So 
when a new business opens up and they'll call the utility, they say, we need power, the utility will provide it. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is an ongoing thing to match supply and demand. And electrification transportation is sort of the next chapter in what the utilities have to deal with. And I can also say I work with ComEd on a regular basis, and they are working diligently to come up with that plan. Um, you know, what are the investments? What's going to be required to do it? And uh, it's really it's a, it's a new paradigm in, in the whole transmission uh, generation, transmission, distribution, and consumption. So where we generate the power is going to be different. Um, we're talking about taking coal and natural gas and replacing it with wind and solar power and moving from, solar, from central power, so these large coal power and nuclear power, uh, to uh, actually generating electricity uh, locally, for example, solar rooftop. Mm -hmm. um, and so while we're doing that, we're reducing the greenhouse gas emissions from uh, all of our buildings by electrifying appliances and the cars. So we're creating more demand for electricity, you know, where we live and work. Um, and so we're creating more demand from the grid and from local generation. So we're also going to have to add energy storage. So right. it's it's a it's a Fairly complicated picture. Uh, you need energy storage because the sun isn't generating power at night and the wind doesn't always blow. So, And both of those things are good topics for us to take note and come back right? sure. in future episodes, especially the whole solar conversation. You know, we just launch off something totally different there. But that's my point. There's just so much to all of this, right? But, yeah, and my point is that this is all happening concurrently. Absolutely. It's part of the electric vehicle solution. Mm -hmm. The utilities are aware of it. The state and federal governments are aware of it. We have the technology and the talent to make this happen. It's going to require some innovation. It's going to take, I'll say, a generation. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're starting. Yep. And it has to happen in order to uh, to deal with the climate crisis. Um, and what this is, is it means multi-billion dollar investments. That's right. So we're dealing with uh, reallocating power at the generation side, new transmission, uh, people refitting their homes with electrical appliances, adding EV chargers. Uh, so it's, um, it's, it's quite a challenge. But one other thing is to the extent that the power is generated renewably, the fuel is free. So part of the what we're doing now is we're going to be investing in new technologies, but over time, because the fuel is free, over, it will have a return on investment, uh, as well as the, the fact is that the cost of dealing with climate is much, much higher than the cost to deal with new technologies. So mm -hmm. we, we need to know, uh, you know where our priorities lie. And all these disasters you hear about, they're running up multi-billion dollar tabs. We need to invest in infrastructure to get on the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I just, I think it's so important to start this conversation with that broad, you know, painting of the picture. And then, you know, we can sort of kind of scale it down a little bit more myopically. But um, one of the other, I would say, concerns, um, questions uh, I hear a lot relates really to you know, the ability to either, you know, find a charger, um, which I know we're going to tackle here, and then how long does it, quote unquote, take to, you know, recharge? Um, and what is really, you know, happening to to deal with these concerns? Yeah, that is probably the number one question that I hear as well. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, 
kind of falls under the rubric of range anxiety. Range anxiety. And uh, the, the, the fact is that people who buy an EV, most of them have an ability to charge at home. So you never have to go you know, to the gas station. You can fill up at home. Uh, with some exceptions, such as multifamily dwellings, those are more complicated, and people who don't have the ability to charge at home. But mm-hmm. that is the first level of dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so multifamily dwellings has some other challenges, which I think we will talk about in a future yeah, episode. for sure. Uh, but the fact is that when you go to buy an EV or an EV charger, you kind of have to do some planning. And um, you know, a battery now can get the small ones only go 20 miles on electricity and the big ones can go up to 500 miles. Uh, most of the battery electric, which means you you only can use the battery, are between two and 300 mile range. Um, so you can drive for pretty far distance uh, and that can be decreased uh, by a bit when it's cold out. You lose range when it's cold. So... Um, so the, the the basically you can determine how often and how fast you need to charge based on um, the size of the battery. Mm-hmm. And then also, do you have uh, the ability to charge in a fast charger? Because some cars can, some can't. Different vehicles charge at different rates. So you need to, when you're looking at your EV, you should know that because you're ultimately trying to figure out how you're going to Fill fill up the battery and mm-hmm. how you're going to use it on a daily basis, and you want to make sure you're you won't run out of battery. So right now, what has happened is, and I do I think that's the biggest fear, right? Is people feel like they're when they, they might be all charged up. You see what I did there, right? All charged up. Uh, they're all charged up when they leave their home, right? And depending on where they're going for the day, they they literally have to now scope out where along their route for the day or a weekend where they're going to be able to have access to charging at this at this current point. That's where we're at, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I, but I would also uh, argue that if you have been driving a gasoline car, you unconsciously already know the answers to where to refuel. Mm-hmm. You look at your fuel gauge. It's not that much different. Mm-hmm. I've been driving EV for nine years. And, you know, I, I know where the EV chargers are in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when I can fill up. Uh, but at the same time, you know, five years ago, there weren't that many. There's a growing number. State of Illinois and the federal government are doing some pretty amazing things to establish this, the, to get rid of range anxiety or the counter side of that is mm-hmm. to establish ubiquity, which means you can find a charger when you need a charger. So the state of Illinois is financially supporting installation of thousands of public charging stations. Uh, The federal government has a $5 billion program to get uh, fast chargers every 50 miles. This program is called the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, or lovingly called NEVI. Yes, NEVI program. The chargers they're requiring, you can get about 200 miles in 10 minutes. So we're getting close to the refill rate of a gasoline vehicle. And at the same time, the federal government is also spending two and a half billion to fill in gaps on the non-interstate arteries. Uh, this is called the Charging and Fueling Infrastructure Program, or CFI. And 
the underlying goal is basically to have this ubiquitous network mm -hmm. established and in place by 2028. So it'd be like gasoline stations. Right. So you drive an EV, you will never worry about it. Exactly. And in addition, one of the things that EVs are already doing better than gasoline is on your phone and, and on many of the car's dashboards, you can identify upcoming stations, you can reserve stations, you can be certain that you can deal with the, the range anxiety uh, with the you know, smart technologies. I think that's just the coolest thing. That's a great piece to all of that is, you know, we've learned something, right, right. <laughs> over these last decades. But I do think that this piece, the infrastructure um, um, and the NEVI program piece is so huge to answering a lot of those those questions that I seem to get when I'm out and about, because if people understand that, yes, a lot of people have been working on this already for a number of years. Yes, there are plans in place. But, you know, I just think when they look for information, they're finding just, you know, bits, bits and, and pieces. pieces. And that's one of the reasons why um, I felt very strongly that we should, you know, start to uh, um, band our resources together and start having these conversations um, throughout the county so that people understand that this this is happening and it's happening now. Right. And I think the other way to look at it is the program I just described, they're national programs to mm -hmm. fill in yes. the interstates, the main highways that are not interstates. And then the states and even local governments are then filling in you know, local public charging. And there's also programs to help multifamily dwellings and workplaces and other types of locations so that kind of everybody can get some support. Uh, and at the same time, They've got EV incentive programs that can take $11,500 off the price of a vehicle, which makes it probably less than a counterpart gasoline vehicle. And one other thing that's important to me and many is the there's there's an equity component. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So one of the things that's from the federal down through the state and regional is it's the federal calls it EJ40, which Environmental Justice 40, which means of the money that gets spent, 40% of it is preferentially spent for uh, disadvantaged communities. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, you need, a, you just need a, like a, we need like a, a map with all these acronyms and all these programs because there's a lot. Right. But they're out there. I mean, everything, it's been very much thought through step by step by step. Um, and one, one last kind of uh, something to sew this together. So you've mm -hmm. got the federal government with their programs. You have various state programs with their programs. The states also have to talk on a regional basis. There's also county-to-county -county discussions in Illinois. Oh, sure. Uh, so the idea is you don't want to be doing these things in a vacuum. You need to know what your neighboring municipality is doing, your neighboring county, your neighboring state, and then and then the country as a whole. When you talk about the grids and you talk about where to site uh, different you know, uh, EV charging stations. Um, so Illinois is one of the members of the Regional Electric Vehicle Midwest Plan, which is basically a communication collaboration to, to do what I just said, the smart yes, location. Yes, otherwise known as REV, right. another acronym. Right. There you go. <laughs> uh, and that's Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I just think that that's all just being done, right, to ensure seamless charging access um, on highways, right, crossing state lines. So, again, trying to mitigate right. range anxiety, which I just think is really, really so important. They're really thinking about it. That's what I mean. That's <laughs> what I mean. So when so when people stop me in, in different scenarios, I'm like, listen, hey, smart people are on this. But I'm really just trying to get people more engaged so that they do their own research and start having their own conversations um, and start moving 
forward in, in their own areas as well. Um, you know, I want to take a pause here because what we're talking about, because it just occurred to me that, um, you know, I saw something yesterday come across um, about seven of seven of the largest automakers, right? They're joining forces to increase their numbers on our highways as well and other par- uh, public charging sites. And I, I don't want to get us too far off topic, as I really will tend to do from time to time, but I find it interesting, right? This is like BMW, GM, Honda, um, Hyundai, um, Mercedes-Benz, Kia, right? They've, they've announced they're forming a joint venture um, to significantly expand access to high-powered charging. And again, I, that's what it's going to take, correct? So th- this, is, this was a huge, huge win uh, moving this all forward, I would imagine. Right. So the major players are the EV charger vendors and Tesla. They mm-hmm, have a mm-hmm. different approach. And Electrify America, which is the uh, VW Mitigation Trust Fund, they yes. basically came out of that. Yes. And then the vehicle manufacturers. So those mm-hmm. are the players. And in the last year, they are coming up with multiple ways of working together. You know, this is a commitment to leverage the federal funds, some of the state funds, but they're doing it if you will, in concert. I won't say it's perfect, but it's the right solution. Again, the um, vehicle manufacturers will only benefit if the chargers are out there. Correct. So if they can help fund it or facilitate it or help state policies, et cetera, um, I think we all win. Mm-hmm. Everybody's Everybody's got to move forward together. Exactly. Um, so let's just bring it back to Illinois a little bit um, and incentives, which, yes, I know, always Always tricky, but um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Illinois and, and what's available out there in terms of incentives. So I kind of touched on uh, just the federal programs because they're, if you will, the the top of the the pyramid, and they will fill in the gaps on the the main roads. Uh, so if you're taking a vacation or you know traveling long distance for work, um, you know then you you've you've dealt with that, and there's there's they will pay for up to eighty percent of the total installed cost of one of these stations. So think of a million dollars per station, the government's going to put in $800,000 to the owner of that station. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing for the other, the uh, charging and fueling infrastructure plan, it's an 80%, uh, 20% match uh, program, which in the world of incentives is huge. So it means people are going to take advantage of it. We will deal with range anxiety in short order. Well, and again, it goes to answer that initial question. When I started, right, people say, who's paying for it? How is this happening? This is definitely a tool for yeah. this to even start occurring and happening. And and we're all paying for that. Yeah. So that's federal taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, in Illinois, we've got a number of programs that are uh, and are totally compatible, if you will, flow down from the federal plans. So um, in uh, June 5th of this year, the state of Illinois released funds for something called the VW Volkswagen Mitigation Trust Fund. Of, oh, yeah. Let's remind everybody about that. So VW cheated on their emissions measurement, and they were required to pay a $15 billion with a B uh, <laughs> penalty and a consent decree for the whole country. Of that, uh, it was broken out in a lot of ways, but Illinois basically got $108 million of that, mm-hmm. of which $12.6 million was just released uh, a few weeks ago. And that money is uh, committed to 348 new d- direct current DC fast charging ports at 87 locations in Illinois. So that's that's a big step. Huge. Those are public charging 
And um, there, a lot of them will be uh, helping rural and disadvantaged communities. Second, the CFI program uh, is got its first application applied for in June, and that's mainly community charging. Uh, and I think Illinois submitted about $50 million in grant requests. Probably won't get it all, but it represents several hundred stations along Illinois highways and rural roads. The third step is the NEVI program, which has not been formally announced. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned, it's about a million dollars per station, which in Illinois could represent maybe 150 DC fast charging stations, each with four stations to charge with. Mm -hmm. So that's that's huge from the range anxiety perspective. Oh, absolutely. Um, a fourth program in Illinois is called the EV Charger Rebate Act. And it was passed a couple of years ago, and the funds have not been released, but they are soon to be released, uh, according to the, the the person managing it. I spoke with her a few weeks ago, and she said, probably we're going to start with a, a funding for some more DC fast chargers and some level two chargers at public locations. See, this is why you're the guy, Tim. Look at that. You spoke to that actual person. I love it. It's not even hearsay. Right. I just can't wait for them to come out with a formal program. Right. But. Oh, I, I absolutely right. And then there's a final one um, per the, so for those that aren't familiar, the Climate Equitable Jobs Act was passed in 2021. CJA, another acronym. Right. And part of that uh, assigns ComEd and Ameren Downstate to establish what's called a beneficial electrification plan. Mm-hmm. And beneficial electrification basically says if you're going to make changes to the grid, it's, uh, you want it to reduce costs in the long run and you want it to reduce pollution and greenhouse gases. So it's doubly beneficial. And in the EV charging world, they will be funding through incentive programs, uh, commercial and municipal fleets and funding for um, multifamily dwelling infrastructure and other programs. And that is to be announced any day now. So we're looking forward to that program. So you can see there are several programs. They're each targeting subsections of the overall market on a prioritized basis. So kind of we're, we're, we're rolling it out in a logical way. Absolutely. And, you know, I just think it's such great information to be able to get out there. Number one, right, range anxiety. We, we've been talking about that so far today. That's just such a hurdle to EV adoption. But I truly believe the more factual information that we can get out to our residents about this whole this whole trans you know formative time that we're in in our history um you know some call it the EV revolution um you know we really will start to see that shift uh, to adoption and acceptance um and speaking of shifts let us now shift um the conversation to what conversations need to start taking place here locally in DuPage and in our surrounding counties. Um, you know, one really is, again, a little bit more educational, informational uh, information, I should say, on EV ownership. Uh, one question we hear uh, very often at Power Forward DuPage is, do I need to upgrade my electrical panel to accommodate an EV charger? Um, I, I think people again they they just they just get a little bit of information when they start to do their research. I'm glad that they're asking this question, um, but um, you know they just don't know what they don't know and what all is involved when they um, go out or set out to purchase an EV, especially if they if they own an older home. So let's talk about that for a little bit. 
Sure. Um, I, I look at it from the perspective of the consumer. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of buying an electric vehicle mm-hmm. and it's residential. So you're going to want to think about charging at home. That's one of the advantages. So there's, for those who don't know, there's two standard charging levels at home. They call them level one and level two. Level one is 120 volts, just like plug it into your regular outlet, and level two is 240 volts. And most come with the level one charger, right, upon purchasing? The cars will be delivered with a level one charger. And and anymore, um, the battery electrics come with a level two charger. So, uh, And when I say they come, they're portable, they plug into outlets. Mm-hmm. A level two outlet is like a drier outlet, it's a bigger outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every garage has it. You may not even have it in your basement if you don't have an electric dryer mm-hmm. um, because it's 240 volts. But all homes, all businesses, they all have both voltages. So you, you you have the ability. It's just you may not have the available power in your panel. Okay. So um, like level two is used for electric dryers in some air conditioning units. Um, and that's always the that's that's the question, right? right? That's why they're asking if they need to upgrade. So so now the second question is, what is your, I mentioned this earlier, what are your driving habits? Mm-hmm. So level one will put about three to five miles of range back into the battery for every hour you're plugged in. Oh, okay. So overnight, you know, you might get 30 or 40 miles of range. That may work. That may be all you need in a given day. A lot of people don't drive any more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And so you'll be running it as, you know, kind of a, uh, that, that's similar to, a, a, I don't know, a refrigerator, if you will, um, in your home. And when you, if you want to uh, add an EV charger to your system, it, whether it's the plug-in or something you mount at level one, typically your panel can handle that without any issue. Um, the level two, however, now you're going up to higher power, higher mm-hmm. voltage, mm-hmm. and at some point you may run out of panel. The panel may capacity may be exceeded, in which case you have to have it upsized. Um, a common thing is, you know, a lot of homes have 100-amp panels, and you have to go to a 200-amp panel per se, perhaps, and uh, that will require a certified, insured, qualified installer uh, to do that. But it's very common practice. You just basically run more power from the utility. And I, I know where we can get one of those guys. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know one or two people that can two. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so adding a level two may or may not exceed the load. A lot of times it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like adding a new dryer. Um, it, it all depends on your home. And you, someone should come out and do a load analysis uh, to look at it and let you know what you're up against. Uh, if you don't have to do it, uh, if you have a, enough power in your panel, you're typically looking at running conduit wiring is going to cost you somewhere five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. If you have to upsize the the uh, panel, you could add another thousand dollars. But the idea is, you know, get a get a quote from a qualified person. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing I just want to mention on the level one, so it, you know, the, the EVs will come with a level one charger typically. Mm-hmm. It plugs into standard outlet. Uh, the code, the electrical code says you want to make sure that's a dedicated circuit. So you don't want to be running a bunch of stuff on the same circuit as your EV charger because it's going to always be right. pulling you know, a relatively high load. And uh, the the code says you have to keep it separate. And, in fact, you have to have a ground fault uh, interruption circuit as well. But those are details uh, a contractor can help you with. Mm -hmm. And overall, really, that same same theory would apply to um, uh, commercial properties as well, right? You have the 
electrical um, contractor, consultant come in, assess the property, um, perhaps install maybe a power monitoring system that's really designed to help make more informed energy efficient decisions by wirelessly measuring electric uh, usage, right? Right. So that's another, if you will, dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was talking about you know how you get the power to the car. Right. Um, you also can uh, monitor and manage uh, the EV charging events remotely. So why would you do that? Well, f- one example is a time of day charging or hourly charging. So if you're on that one of those programs with ComEd, mm-hmm. you could pay two or three cents a kilowatt hour in the middle of the night and pay thirty or forty cents on a hot summer day. See, and if you can, if you mm-hmm. can control that remotely. When you let the charging occur, you can avoid those peak. Uh, periods where it's more expensive. So that can be dealt with a local PC or your cell phone. These are t- you know, oftentimes smart devices, which is a, kind of a new thing in the world. Everything talks to a cell phone. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice, and you can save money uh, in what you spend on electricity to charge your vehicle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, good. This is all, again, excellent information, and it sounds like um, maybe a good time to circle back and, and talk about incentives, rebates, tax credits, this time for the consumer. Um, I know, again, always the tricky conversation. We've already acknowledged that. But for our consumer, um, we can wrap this kind of little section up and uh, tell them what's available for them today. So we we talked about you know, getting access to EV chargers and, and the incentives for mm-hmm. the EV chargers. So um, that would apply in a residential um, application. There are also residential rebates for EV charging installations of $1,000, uh, their tax credits. Um, but more importantly, on the EV and the vehicle themselves, there are some rebate and tax credit programs. Illinois offers $4,000 for the purchase of a new electric vehicle and $1,000 for used EVs. Um, they re- released a program last fall. It ran for three or four months, mm-hmm. and the funding pool uh, was exhausted. There's a new— It's broken up into into phases for that purpose, right. correct? Yeah. Well, they'll be having annual tranches that they, they will release, and I'm guessing there will be one coming out in the fall. Um, so if you, but you have to purchase an EV in order to get the rebate. And then the federal government has what is a tax credit for $7,500. Uh, they've been running a program for, oh, I don't know, 10 years now for tax credits. Um, they've extended the program through 2032, uh, but they've got some other constraints. And it's important to know that if you're looking at a particular EV, only vehicles with U.S. manufacturing can get the $7,500. And if you have a U.S. car with a foreign battery, you'll only get half of that, $3,750. So you, you know, when you look at your EVs, you know, check that out in advance. There's some sources that will help you out. The other thing is if the vehicle costs, I think it's over $80,000, there are no incentives for tax credits. And then the last one is if your income or your, your joint filing income exceeds a certain amount of money, you're not eligible. So the whole idea there is that if you can afford an $80,000 car, why should people give you $7,500 in tax credits? So hey, that makes sense. It's intended to stimulate the market for you know people who need the help. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, well, my gosh, again, I there's so much, right? There's so much we could continue the conversation, um, but I think we'll save it for um, another time when we can get into, again, more local issues like uh, workplace charging and municipality infrastructure challenges and um, a topic that you mentioned earlier and I just find quite fascinating, and that's multifamily structures. Um, you know, and when we were just talking about charging at home, but what do you do if your home is an apartment or a condo with limited or no access at all to charging infrastructure? Um, we will tackle that next time, but um, today's much broad, broader conversation, I just think, was a really great place to start and kick everything off. Um, hey, if you missed any of this episode, go back, listen to the whole thing. It is informational, uh, and uh, I think we're going to go ahead and and wrap up today. Tim, thank you so much for your time and, of course, your expertise, and uh, I, I am looking forward to having you back again. Um, any final words today? Uh, again, thank you, Karen. This has been fun. Um, one last thing I say, if you're in a mood or in the, it's ready in your time of life to buy a new car, you should check out EVs. You don't have to buy one, but they're amazing. They're fun to drive. They are and, fun to drive. And you really are participating in the fight to mitigate climate change. And if you do, you know, think it through, have a plan, know your daily routine, know your ranges, know what you need it for. And you, it, over time, you'll figure out that you, you, you can find an EV that suits you. And again, thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Sounds good. You've been listening to All Charged Up with me, Karen Charvat of Power Forward DuPage. Power Forward DuPage represents over 300 of the most highly sought after electrical contractors in the Chicagoland area. We support the electrical contracting industry here in DuPage County, Illinois, and act as a resource for its municipalities, businesses, and residents. Find us at PowerForwardDuPage.com. And until next time, keep powering through.